we are really, really blessed what God's doing with us. And it is good that we are giving it away. And there's, I think there's four or five of them down in Carlisle with Tim just doing a youth weekend for those guys this weekend as well. So we pray that they just have a, a fantastic time. I had a great time just, just releasing God's presence on people. I mean, I had the experience of walking in you know, before the meeting started and nearly everybody I greeted became intoxicated in the Holy Spirit as I shook their hand or gave them a hug. This was before the worship started or anything. It was just so fun. Um, and uh, uh, we just so I had a great time. And at the end, just, there was just a real release of freedom, joy uh, across the whole church. And uh, <coughs> I think that started to happen when we went to Maastricht. It was like that. There was just so many people uh, profoundly affected having encounters with God. Uh, and I believe that's on the increase for us as well right here um, and we keep telling you it's not about the outside but it is about knowing you've met with him whatever that looks like so I was talking with Joel last night and he says well sometimes the way you say it about it's not about how it looks is a bit it uh, can be a bit of a cop-out for people and like well no which urging you you can encounter God personally experientially beautifully you can taste him you can feel him that's what we're after and when you do, it changes you. And every time you do, it changes you. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Uh, I was involved praying for people. People just released healing on the room. And a guy who had a back problem since he was 16, who was now in his 30s, all the pain went as he kind of prayed for himself. Uh, got someone with a frozen shoulder. That all got loosened up. I prayed for someone with a knee problem. They kind of Facebooked me and said, yeah, my knee's loads better. So healing was happening. Joy was breaking out. Sounded like church should be. Um, we, we really, I just love this morning. I think the best definition of church is family. And it's his family. So it isn't how, you know, we don't all bring all our ideas of family. We bring his idea of family. But it is family. And it's not about, you know, being serious. You know, when my family get together, that's doesn't last for long you know there are times where you call a family meeting and you're trying to keep seriousness going it doesn't really doesn't survive very long and that's what that's what is happening dad's heavenly dad's coming with his love and his joy and his blessing and his favor and we're soaking it up and enjoying it and freedom's coming uh i'm going to talk to you today about being who you were created to be. So if you want to turn to Psalm 139, and I want to commend Carissa's blog, because if you look on our website, there's a, there's a lot of stuff happening on our website if you don't look there. There's obviously podcasts go up, but I'm blogging, Carissa's just started to blog, and this, if you want to get into more of what I'm going to talk about it's all there in Carissa's blog and there's even a great video clip that I would recommend you watch uh, on her blog page so and there's video clips on our site oh, the, I don't know if you've looked but there's that um, we will praise you thing that the, the they will, and it, and it, how many of you have seen the video of the song we will praise you that our guys made a few months back Okay, you should all watch that. It's on the front page of the website. It's now had 18,200 hits on Godvine. 18,000. All over the world, people are going, we really love this sound. 
And they just kind of, you know, Simon, you, you record it in, was it, was it, whose flat was that in? It's Mark and Dish's flat. It's just, I mean, a really sort of basic microphones and stuff. But it's, um, it's just got, it just carries something wonderful. All right, so we're going to talk this morning about being who you were created to be. Um, and just Psalm 139, just read a few verses from there. Verse 13, for you, this is David speaking to God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm ugly. No. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. He's praising God for himself. I mean, for how he's been made by God. Hello? thought that was good. He thinks God's work in the way that he's made him is wonderful. I know it full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And uh, you can turn there if you like. I'll just read you one verse from Jeremiah and it's 1 verse 5, where Jeremiah says something quite similar. He says, before I formed you in, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And we're going to land in Ephesians 2. If you want to turn there, that would be good. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You get the feeling that God is ahead of you all the time. So God formed us in our mother's womb. He formed us you were formed by him before he saved you. What your characteristics are, what you are made like, yeah, okay, it's to do with mom and dad's DNA, but what we rule out in that perspective is what the scripture clearly teaches is that he formed you. All right, he used genetic material but he had a hand in making you be who you are and it happened before you knew him before you thought about him before you really existed in any conscious way God shaped you to be you how amazing is that before you thought you know what maybe I'll find out about Jesus he made you Before all the rubbish happened in your life, before you sinned, before you let people down and people let you down, before people told you what you couldn't, couldn't do, before you got educated, before you were in a family that shaped you, God shaped you. He created you to be something, to be somebody specific and something beautiful. That's what David, David's getting excited about who he is. 
He's praising God for what God's made him. He's delighting in God because of who God has created him to be. He's rejoicing in God's creation of himself. <laughs> He's rejoicing in God's creation of him. It's interesting, Romans 3.23, a verse that most Christians know, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know that verse? It's interesting what sin makes us fall short of. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another way you could translate is the same, <coughs> is that mankind was reduced to an inferior identity through their sin. Mankind was reduced to an inferior identity through their sin. God actually created you to be and to enjoy gloriousness. And what the verse says is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you were intended to display His glory on the planet. You were made something glorious to display some of His glory and sin mars that and calls us to fall short of both enjoying and displaying and carrying His glory in the earth. So often we emphasize the sin bit, but we're not clear about what we've actually lost. All right? So it, sin mars our understanding of our identity, and, and it mars our ability to reflect our true identity. It mars our ability to live how God created us to be. Sin interrupts it. Sin interferes with that. And that isn't just sins that you do. It, it can be the whole process of life that you encounter. That in, in Romans 12, it talks about, I think it's J.B. Phillips, talks about don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. There is a mold. What people think can squeeze you. The norms in society can squeeze you. What's acceptable, what's not acceptable can squeeze you. What your parents want you to do can squeeze you. What your dad thought of you or didn't think of you can squeeze you. Expectations that are put on you at school can squeeze you. You can get squeezed into the world's mold and that mold is less than the glory of God that was intended for you. It's a smaller picture. It's a lesser thing. It's falling short of the glory of God. And then something changed. Jesus found you. We've been singing about it all morning. Jesus who died and rose again from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father and has conquered all sin, all death and all of, all of the devil's power has been broken because of that incredible act of righteousness and kindness and sacrifice. He smashed the devil's power. He smashed the power of the world system. He broke the power of sin. And then when you believe in him, he says, here, you can have that. Amen. You receive me, you get all the benefits that I won. It costs me a lot, you get them for free. Because it goes on to say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but they're justified freely by His grace. Grace equals you get lots of goodies for nothing because Jesus paid them for them for you. 
So the effects, the marring effects of being wiped off your life. Everything that defined you, that took away from God's definition of who you are, is being removed and its power has already been broken. Your, your design, God has two levels of design. He's really clever. So when he formed you and he shaped you, the first thing that he shaped you to be was a son and daughter of his. That you function best, you're the most secure, most powerful, happiest when you connect to what he created you to be in your mother's womb, which is a son and daughter of God. He made you to be that before you thought of him. He made you to be that before you lost the plot in sin. He made you to be a son. He made you to be a daughter. He made you to be a royal priest. He has created you to be that from the beginning. And then sin got in the way. The first level of your design is God's sonship, royal sons. And we'll always be in some measure incomplete, empty, confused, or insecure until we connect with who God initiated and created us to be, which was His. Connected to Him. You're made for His presence. Literally hardwired to need and know the presence of the Father in your life. You were created like that. You were shaped like that. You were formed like that. You actually need that in heaven in your life. Like natural children need their parents. They need their presence. They need their, their... Sometimes they don't just need you to speak. They just need you to be there. You know, dad's in the house. Mom's at home is enough. You're made like that. You need to know dad's in the house. You need to know heavenly dad's in your house. You're actually made to need that. And you're actually made to connect to that. It's not a foreign idea. It's your actual basic instinct once it's recovered. There's no other definition of you that will fit you better than being a son or daughter of God. Nothing else you can fill your life with, nothing else you can run after, nothing else that you can find identity in is going to connect to you like this everything else is a facsimile is a false promise is a vapor you're made for intimacy you're made actually created so you can hear his voice you're shaped so that you can cope with dreams visions angelic encounters they're not abnormal they're, you are made for that to be your normal Because he lives in heaven. He created all that stuff and he created you. So he didn't create you to not have connection with all of his creation. So actually counting yourself out of his original design of you is part of the sin that we've got wound up in in our culture. I'm going to say that again. Counting yourself out 
of his original design for you is part of the sin that we partake in in our culture. Because sin makes you fall short of the glory of God. And as you keep counting yourself out of the glory of God, you're being affected by sin. Because God's free gift of righteousness introduces you back to the real you. Reconnects you with the possibility of being who God always made you to be. So if you count yourself out of being a son and a daughter and all the benefits thereof, you're believing a lie somewhere. Because it's only sin that separates you from glory. He's come so that by beholding glory, you're transformed into ever-increasing glory. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. You're supposed to be getting, and I'm supposed to be getting, more and more glorious. (laughs) Because I was created for it. I'm not cheating. I'm not sneaking in. I was actually made for glory. Is this, is this making sense? I'm just kind of looking at faces going, this is the gospel, really. I'm just kind of coming at it from a slightly different way. You were made for glory. You were made to be glorious. And if you don't believe that, then you're believing a lie and sin is still affecting you because you're falling short of glory. And that's what sin does to you. It makes you fall short of the glory of God, the glory that he created for you and in you. There's too many molds and expectations, religious ones, educational ones, societal ones, that try to shape you into insignificance. That try to convince you that ultimately that the planet, for some people, they believe at the extreme of this persuasion that the planet would be better off if they weren't here. But lots of our society lives at some level of hopelessness, i.e. some belief that their life doesn't count for anything really, and it's a dull routine, or it's a meaningless process. And they continue to fall short of the glory of God. Because he's made every single one of them to be a royal son and a royal daughter and have huge significance in this life and into the next. You're made to be somebody by God before you even had awareness yourself. He made you to be somebody. He created you unique. He created you to be someone to be celebrated. In Ephesians verse, it says we are his workmanship. That's literally his work of art, his poem to the nations. God is speaking to the world about his creativity through what he created in you. That's pretty awesome. He's singing to the world the song through your life. He's writing to the world his love poem through your life. He's writing to the he's he's coloring to the world his image through your life. You are his work of art, you're his poem, you're his song. You're you're a reflection of glory. That's what you're created to be. That's what I'm created to be is a reflection of of some aspect of God into this life, into this planet. That suddenly makes me incredibly significant. Because without me, the world misses a piece of him. 
And He has created me, formed me from the beginning of time in order to reflect some unique poem, some unique artistic flair of our Heavenly Father into this world. Suddenly, I'm significant. I'm important. It's important that I'm around for you and that you're around for me because He's made me special. He's made me flipping amazing. I'm so good, it's scary. (laughs) But that's only the first level of God's design, made to be royal sons and daughters. And I've kind of slipped into the second bit, but he's, he's a great designer because the second level in all this kind of forming is making you into a unique person who has a unique calling and a unique destiny. The real you is wrapped up in his original design for you. I think I've talked to many of you and I've ex- I experienced this. God starts to speak to you identity, right? He starts to speak to you the stuff I'm speaking into you right now. You're a royal son. You're a royal daughter. You're amazing. You can do incredible things. He called you before the foundation of the world. He's made you special. And something on the inside of us can go like, tilt, he doesn't know me. Can't be fully, tr- struggles sometimes to connect with some of that. And then God comes along and says, you know what, I made you, I made you to be a world changer. I made you to be someone who, who, who's going to revolutionize the world of medicine. I made you to be someone who's going to go into retail, who's going to work in shops and change the atmosphere and bring joy and blessing on every customer. I've made you to be someone who's going to raise up an incredible family that, that, that believes in who they are and starts to change their world for Jesus. I've made you into a great mother. I've made you into a great father. I've made you into a significant person. And we're going, you're talking to the wrong dude. You don't know me, you don't know what I like, you don't know what... Some, but that's because we've been tuned to the wrong channel for so long. We've been listening to the world and the devil's mood music, which is stay small, stay insignificant, stay crap, stay rubbish. Don't get too excited about yourself. Stay humble. Jesus was humble. He said so. In our world, we'd take the badge off him. He does. He stands up in Matthew 11 towards the end. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. (laughs) Jesus knew who he was. Jesus nailed. Jesus lined up with his identity. He never let go. The thing that got him killed was that he believed in who God had told him he was. He never gave it up. So right at the beginning, he's tempted. You remember the temptation of Jesus? Two of the temptations start with, if you are the Son of God. That's a direct challenge to his identity. He doesn't back down. I'm a son. God publicly declares it over him at his baptism. 
This is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. The next thing that happens is that is directly tested by the devil. If, you're the, if you are a son, then do something to prove it. He says, I don't need to prove it. I just am. If you've got to prove it, you're not sure. One of the temptations was that he could prove he was a son, and the other bit was to prove, get God to prove that he was a son. He says, I don't need Dad to prove to me that I'm a son. I know I am. He already told me, and I don't need to test it today. That's how secure he was in his sonship. And then later in the same chapter, all right, so he's secure in being a son. And he's our model, all right? We're supposed to be like Jesus. Remember that? We're all trying to be like Jesus. Once you're a Christian, your thirst and your desire is to be more like him. He was absolutely sure he was a son. In the same chapter in Luke 4, later on, he goes to his hometown and he stands up, secure in his sonship, and he tells them what he's here to do. He says who, who he is specifically. And he gets the scroll out from Isaiah and he stands up and he says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, release the captives, give sight to the blind, release the oppressed, and then to announce the day of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing, and he sits down. The arrogant swine. And they try and throw him off the hill. No wonder. He knew who he was. Not just I'm a son of God, but this is my assignment. This is my identity. I am the anointed one, and I am anointed to set people free, to announce the favorable year of the Lord, and I am fulfilling it in front of you right now. He owned his specific calling. And you can follow it through. Every time that's challenged, he never flinches. This is who I am. This is what I'm here to do. And it gets him killed. People who are sure in who they are are the most threatening people on the planet. It's time to get comfortable with all who we really are. You've been trained to be uncomfortable with significance. It's time to train ourselves differently. You've been trained to believe a lie is better than the truth. You've actually been trained to think it's religiously more acceptable to believe the lie and live it your whole life than to believe the truth. Hello? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He was meek and mild, but he nailed it. Because I'm here to change the planet. Anybody wants to get involved? Get in line behind me. I'm here to release the year of the Lord's favor on everybody who wants it. I have the authority and the assignment to do that. And by the way, I'm gentle and humble. And if anyone comes to me, they're going to get released from an oppressive yoke and they're going to get my yoke, which is easy, and my burden is light. I mean, that's utter confidence. I'm humble, I'm meek, come to me and you will be changed. I will smack that yoke off you and I'll put mine on you and you're going to enjoy that a lot better than what you've got right now. Ah. That's the way he talked all the time. 
You read it, it's, it was like that. He wouldn't last five minutes in our religious culture. We'd hate him because he was too up himself, would be what we'd be saying after the meeting. He's <laughs> <laughs> right cocky, that Jesus. <laughs> Thinks he's somebody. He flipping is somebody. The bit we struggle with is, you know, when we read about him in a book, we can, we can live with that because it was a long time ago and it's like reading a story. But actually, the point that I'm trying to make today is you're somebody, just like he was. And you were made to be it before all the negative stuff got in your life. So it's not like, here I am, I'm this broken sinner with no clue and no semblance of um, God's reality in my life at all. And then Jesus comes into my life and he has something he wants to make me. And it's a long journey away down there. And here I am humbly walking forward to slowly try and become what he says. But sometimes the thing he says to me is so, is so little harmony with what I feel about myself, it seems crazy. Hello? or a long way away, or for somebody else. Because it doesn't harmonize, doesn't resonate with what I know to be really true about myself. Yeah. I know I've talked to lots of you, lots of us feel like this. Well, I'm convinced that I could never really be like that. And what he's saying really must be for other people because it has no grid in my experience or what I believe about me. Because yeah. we come from this sort of broken place and we're on this journey, all right? Yeah. That's not right. Before you were consciously aware of life itself, he made you to be something amazing. Then you're born in sin and your life sucks. That's my translation of the Bible. And he comes and he invades your life and he's restoring you back to what he already made you to be. Hello. So all this, well, it doesn't connect, it doesn't resonate, is a lie because he's all the time trying to persuade you and reveal to you who you really are and who he really made you to be from before your beginning. He's not trying to introduce something foreign into your system. He's trying to recover what he put in there from the beginning. He's trying to recover the real you. He's trying to call out the real you. He's trying to shape up the real you. He's trying to breathe life into the real you that has got lost somewhere on the inside of you. He's trying to say, wake up, I've made you amazing. And we go, oh, it couldn't possibly be me. Yes, it is you. Because I remember doing it before you were born. I remember getting in your mum's womb and weaving you together so you'd be this amazing, beautiful creature. And then when I got hold of you and breathed my life into you, bam, you're going to change the world. You go, no, that wasn't me. And God's going, uh, sometimes I think he's like, what do I have to do? <laughs> so we spend our whole lives a bit like this. Say you were born to be Usain Bolt. And somebody was, because we've got one, it's him. <laughs> but his physiology, his makeup, his, what is it, fast twitch muscles or whatever it is that sprinters need. He's got them all and he's got them in spades. So it means he can outrun anybody over 
100 meters. But I bet it'd be useless running the 1500. But maybe he senses I'm called to be a runner. But really what it is, it's the 1500. That's what we do in life. We do the 1500 meters. And so he tries for the 1500 meters Jamaican team. And he fails. So he works a bit harder and he trains harder. And he maybe squeezes another couple of, you know, milliseconds out of his lap time or something. And, and, and he's like, Phew, I'm in the team. And then he gets to the Olympics and all these amazing people who are shaped and formed from the beginning to be 1,500 meters runners go whizzing past him. And he feels such a flunked out failure. And all the time, God's whispering to him, it's the flipping hundred meters, you bonehead. <laughs> Run the hundred meters. Man. <laughs> Shake it down on the hundred meters. <laughs> okay, then, Lord. And he runs 100 meters and everybody's dead behind him. He's like, he's the champion. No one's ever done this. Because he's being who he's made to be. You can waste huge amounts of energy trying to be brilliant at things that you weren't created to be. Most of us do. But that couldn't possibly be. I mean, the 100 meters is such a glamour event. Well... Good news, you're in the glamour event. It's the thing that sells out the fastest. People spend loads of money to get, you know, like under 10 seconds of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, If you turn around and go, oh, that was it. (laughs) Paid 120 quid for the ticket, I coughed. Sneezed and it was gone. (laughs) I guess a lot of us are just living at like 20%, 30% of who we're called to be. Because we can't quite believe who we're really called to be. I think there must be something a bit more ordinary for us. That's not true. All the resources you need to live out your true identity are there. God hasn't made you to be something and then not provided the means for you to be it. But he's not, if he's called you to do the 100 meters, he's not giving you the resources to do the 1500. Yeah? called you to be an evangelist but pastors look cooler and they upset less people so that's what I want to be but you can spend your whole life you can pray and fast as much as you like you'll never be a cool pastor do you see the point he's given you a gift in the world of medicine he's given you a gift in some other realm of art or something like that yeah but you know Prophets are cool. I want to be a prophet. 
but you'll be a rubbish prophet. <laughs> Better be a genius medicine man. That's the wrong word, isn't it? <laughs> be an outstanding artist and a rubbish prophet any day. Do you see the point? He's made you to be something amazing. Hmm. It does scare you. I've been scared. When God starts to say, you know what, I've created you to be this. It happened to me last September. He started to speak to me about something that was so off the charts and so out of my radar and so out of anything I'd done. I'm like, I actually got under pressure. Because I know this is God, because he keeps saying it to me all sorts of different ways. And he's still saying it to me, but actually I'm like, "Uh, how do I do this? This is just out with anything I know what to do. And then I started to realize, actually, he made me to do it. Suddenly freedom comes. I'm not trying to search for something out there. He's He's already wired me up for this. I'm like, ooh, I can do it then. A penny dropped. A revelation came. I thought, whoa, ha-ha. If he says you're going to do this, he already wired you to do it. Now, you may need to learn a few things and maybe need more empowering of the Spirit and all the rest of it, but fundamentally, you've got the goods. And to use that phrase, I'm loving this phrase, when, he, when you're saved, he rewires your hard drive back to factory settings. You know, when you buy a computer and after about two years it's running incredibly slow and, you know, you've loaded all this stuff down from the internet and it, everything, you know, the USB ports don't work properly and all this sort of stuff goes on. What, when you get saved, he just kind of cleans your system out and res- brings you right back to the settings that he made right before you were born and that's created for you to run the divine nature. You don't run MS-DOS. You run the divine nature. You're equipped to do it. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? And that's why it's important that the way that we do church is greenhouse, not factory. Trying to create a greenhouse, not build a factory. Factories are designed to take material and sort of manipulate and mold and shape to produce certain numbers of products at the end. So whatever stuff you get in one end, you get lots of things that look the same coming out the other. Yeah? That's a factory, isn't that? Factory's okay, but church shouldn't be factory. And too many times we tried to make church factory. So we squeeze you into a load of molds that fit. So if you only believe that pastors and teachers are the things that exist today and maybe evangelists, then all your training and all your expectation on the church is to train people to look like pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And if if you've got no grid to believe that we're actually training people to change the world wherever they are and whatever they do, be it art or shoe shop or, you know, 
someone who collects the bins, or wherever you are, you're actually there to change your world. If all the grid is, we're here to train church leaders, and church leaders can only look like this, you have a factory. And lots of people start to feel, well, I want to please God, so I better look like this. (laughs) And they look weird, like I look weird. (laughs) And there are some weird Christians around because they're trying to be somebody they're not made to be. They've been shaped by a factory environment. So even the church can strip you away from your true identity. So we're really asking God and really seeking to create a greenhouse, not a factory. What a greenhouse does, it provides an environment of heat and light and and moisture and nourishment and whatever seed you are, that's what you grow up to be. So we're going to have the banana corner. (laughs) I think think we're going to grow a lot of fruit and nuts in our greenhouse. (laughs) I don't want to be in the cabbage patch, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not believing for Brussels sprouts either. There's just something. But if you are one, then you've got to be free to be one. But do you see what I mean? It's not, it's not a factory environment. It's a freedom environment that contains nutrients and nourishment for you to be, come to discover and grow into who God has actually made you to be. That's why we keep talking about identity, because it's important that you know who you are. And it's important that you hear God tell you who you are, not somebody else. And I believe, because he's a great shepherd and all his sheep can hear his voice, you can hear the voice of God tell you who he's made you to be. And it may be scary, and it may be out with your frame of reference, but it's totally in line with who he's created you to be before you were, before you were born. I'll say that again. It may sound scary, it may sound weird, but it's in line with who he formed you to be before you were born. That's pretty exciting right there. So it may be off your radar, but it's always been on his. It may be outside your frame of reference, but it's always been in his plan. So there's always provision for you to go forward in that. So we're, we, want you to, we want you to grow up and be you. We, we're not trying to tell you what to think every week. I know some of you go away with a slight headache. And that's good. It's actually not, this freedom has to work in both directions. So leaders have to be free to who they're called to be, otherwise you're not going to get people free to be who they are. Yeah? I don't think I'm called to unpack every single item to you, but I'm called to provoke you to go away and think. Hello? So there are times when I know I'll throw something out and some of you go, eh? <laughs> did he just say what I thought he said? Yes, I did. 
Why did you say that? Because you need to go away and think about it. Well, I don't know the answer. Well, go and find one. Or even disagree is okay, but at least think. The goal is not that we all have the same things in our head. Otherwise, we'll all end up looking the same. The goal is to provide nutrients and environment of freedom so you can grow up to be who God has called you to be. But we all like the greenhouse together. And there's harmony between the cabbages and the bananas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's kind of my message, really. Welcome to the fruit and nut greenhouse. <laughs> With a cabbage patch in the corner and whatever else in between. Pardon? <laughs> God made you to be somebody incredible and amazing. It got distorted by sin and life and pressures. And he's calling us all back to line up, fully aligned with his call, his definition of who we are, no matter how weird that, how much that doesn't resonate with us currently, he's, he's moving us to a place where that we completely resonate with that. Because he's put it in you. It's in your original design. And he's calling us all back to that. So that we can be like Jesus was, incredibly significant. How did Jesus trust 11 guys to change the world? Yeah, some of them couldn't read and write. And it worked, and he's still working. It's because I believe they had an encounter with Jesus, but also with the Holy Spirit that connected them truly to their true identity and broke them out of their religious identity and their, just their human identity. Yay. Are you excited about being you? That's good. That's a good start. Are you excited about what God says to you about you? That's important. It's really important. Let, let, let's stand and ask the Holy Spirit. Oh, can we have the band back? Is that possible? Have our musicians back, it'd be cool. Can you cope without this? So, Jan was talking about uh, stepping over a line. God spoke to her about stepping over a line. Do you remember in her testimony earlier on? It's good when God speaks to us about who we are. That somewhere on the inside of us, we start to agree with Him 
and we demonstrate that externally. Yeah? So that our outsides agree with our insides and our insides agree with him. Are you, are you following me? So you've got to agree with him on the inside and then show it on the outside. So let's pray. Because some, some of you are going to take a new step into freedom because you're going to take a new step into being who you really are. Heavenly Father, come on us right now, Holy Spirit. Pray for new identity downloads on people, new, fresh understanding about who you've called them to be, what you've made them to be. Lord, I pray for things that have bound them up, things that have disappointed them, things that have persuaded them that they're less than who you said they are, that the lies would be broken right now in Jesus' name. I just want to break lies off. Lies of insignificance, lies of hopelessness, lies of smallness. Just break them off right now. Just disagree with the lies. I'm always going to fail. That's not true. I can't possibly have an impact. That's not true. I'm no kind of son or daughter God would want. That's not true. He designed you from the beginning to be one. It's not true. Disagree with it. Decide to disagree with it. I could never heal the sick. That's not true. God's called every one of his children to pray for the sick. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's what the Bible teaches us. You are a healer. That's the truth. I could never prophesy. That's not true. The sons and daughters are going to prophesy because the Holy Spirit's come. That's the era we're in. Disagree with the lie that you could never prophesy. 